that's really what was going on at the cross and that's why this is such good news for us. And I, and I know many of us know this. But let's, let's all just take a second to grasp that in reality, that's how God did it. That's how God did it. Meaning this is how God solved the big issue of our world and in our hearts. This is the ultimate solution. The reality of Jesus coming, living a perfect life, suffering, and specifically him being our substitute. And I I know putting it that way may sound weird, but again, in reality, this was and this still is God's answer. And really, it is the only one that works. It's the only one that can lead people like you and me to forgiveness, to restoration, and to peace, both now and forever. And why? Why is that? Well, because just think about this with me. Think about this with me. We all know we're messed up, right? We know things aren't right. We know things are messed up. And yet the truth is, injustice, our messed upness and sin, isn't something that can be made up for or just forgotten about or swept under the rug. And quickly, if that sounds like something you might disagree with, I actually think deep down, everyone on this planet knows this. Everyone. And truthfully, this is one of our big inconsistencies in our modern way of thinking because most people in our world understandably want fairness and justice, right, in life and in society. And we all know that certain things are truly right and certain things are truly wrong. And finally, we all know that when someone is truly being cruel or unjust or wrong to us, That's a big issue. Everyone knows that. But then at the same time, when it comes to God, for some reason, we all kind of naturally just tend to think, well, of course, he's going to forgive me with no justice at all. Meaning, of course, God can do whatever he wants and just sweep my sins under the rug and pretend like it's nothing. And yet, all the while, again, when real injustice occurs in our world or to us, we definitely take it seriously and understandably yearn for justice. But anyway, so the point is, so we all know, real sins in reality can't just be forgotten about, swept under the rug. Real wrongs are an issue. And so the question is, well, what happens with those? And really, again, that's the basic topic we're talking about. Things aren't right. We aren't right. Things are messed up. We have sins, as the Bible calls them. And so what's the solution? And again, just so we really all get this, again, other religions will say, well, from here on out, Obey the best you can. Be good. Or more Eastern religions will say, well, from here on out, here's a way to avoid suffering and escape suffering the best you can. Or finally, our culture will say, well, from here on out, we'll just do the best we can as humans. Put your trust in the future of humanity. But all those don't solve the issue. They don't work. We keep messing up. They failed us over and over and over. And so what's the answer? Well, church, the answer really is God coming in and doing something. It's God's grace, God's forgiveness. It's God somehow removing the penalty of those sins from us now and one day removing the presence of sin from this world forever. But still, how can he do that? Well, again, the answer is substitution. Substitution. Or to say it using yet less technical and maybe school-sounding language, the answer is Jesus took our place. Jesus died for our sins, as that's really what the word for means when we say that. Or finally, the answer is, as Peter says here, the righteous died for the unrighteous. He's righteous, we're unrighteous. Meaning there was someone who came into this world who never did anything wrong. He actually never contributed to the suffering of this world through sin. 
like everyone in this room has. He was truly righteous. He was the pinnacle of love and goodness. But then in that same love, and importantly, in God's plan and in God's way of doing things, it was always the plan that that righteous one, in love and in justice, would take upon himself the specific sins of his people. He'd suffer for those sins. He'd even die for those sins. He'd do it in his people's place, in our place, and he'd suffer for them in full. Which means amazingly that for anyone who trusts him, we are truly now forgiven and absolved of those sins, which means that the root issue of what's wrong with us has been dealt with. And so we, we are back on God's side, loved, secure, and with a future way brighter than we can even imagine, all because Jesus suffered for sins in our very place. <laughs> And church, really, one last time, that, that's the center of the gospel. It's the central reality of the cross. And again, the theological term has been substitution, or even more specifically, because this might be helpful, this has been called penal substitution. Penal substitution. Because the point is, if you, if you read the Old Testament and the New Testament, you can see clearly that in the Old Testament, God was always hinting at this, right? With weird things like that big sacrificial system. And then in the New Testament, it's made crystal clear with Jesus and what's said about him. In the end, what we see is that in God's plan for the restoration and salvation and rescue of all of humanity, anyone in humanity can get out on this, something penal took place. Meaning Jesus took upon himself the right penalty that his people deserve. And how? Well, one last time, by substitution. Hence, penal substitution. Meaning Jesus took the penalty of our sins in our place. And because of that, we totally go free. That's the gospel. 